so you see this series, this We Don't Talk Anymore series is all about relationship. And, and it's not about um, guy-girl relationship. The series that we've been talking about is all about us and our relationship with God. And that's what we've been talking about. And so you guys, anybody remember what we talked about on the first week? Okay, yeah, yeah. We talked about prayer. Anybody remember what we talked about week two? It's kind of still along the lines of prayer, but yeah, kind of more disciplines in your prayer. Week three, last week, what did we talk about? But we, we talked about the Bible. So we talked about in a relationship with God, there, there, you, you got to have a relationship with him through prayer. And we really, really emphasize that. We drove that home for two weeks straight. And then last week, we talked about the word, the Bible, the word of God, his, his note to us, his letter to us, and how important it is to us. And that's what we talked about last week. And so, um, and so we talked about the Bible and, and how we can have a relationship with God through his word. And so here's the deal, though. Here's what I want you to catch. And here's where we get caught up. There's this kind of epidemic of, of spiritual amnesia going on. And, and none of us, though, is immune. Anybody know what amnesia is? Well, if you don't know, I'm going to put it up on the screen. Amnesia is this. It, it's, a, it's a partial or total loss of memory. And so a lot of times as believers, as followers of, followers of Jesus, I know there's a lot of you guys in this room who you've been in church since you were babies. And then there's been some other, uh, there's other, others of us in the room who you haven't been in church that long. And that's awesome. But here's some foundational things tonight that I really want you to catch. So, so really, for, for this moment right here, talking about spiritual amnesia, I think a lot of times if you've been born and raised and grown up in church, there's some things that we can just forget about things that we've been taught, things that we know really deep down inside. And maybe we, we even know the, all the right answers for. It may be all up here, but is it in here? And so no matter how much we learn about God, about his creation, about what prayer is, about the importance of the Bible, we still seem to forget sometimes. And so many of us um, know that we're supposed to love and we're supposed to fear God. Many of us know that it's important to read our Bibles. And, and many of us know that we can go to him um, and, and how we can better grow our relationship. And we're supposed to worship him. But living it out, and I think you can all agree with me, that living these things out are very challenging. Would you agree? Yeah, I think a lot of us are. So let's be honest tonight. It, it, I would say this, and I'm going to make this statement, and I would say this, and I think you guys could resonate with this. I think as Christians, as believers, as followers of Jesus, it kind of confuses us at times when loving God is difficult, when loving God can be hard. And I think it really confuses us. Like, shouldn't it be easy to love a God who's so wonderful? To love of God who's so good. What shouldn't it be easy when, when we when we love God because we feel like we should love him instead of loving out of our true selves? We we've forgotten really who God is. That spiritual amnesia flares back up again. And and I don't want you to simply love God and have a relationship with God because you should love him. I want you to love God out of your true self, out of who you really are, from the depths of your heart. So can I be honest with you guys? Completely honest with you guys. I might as well, right? So this is going to sound very 
unchristian of me. This is going to sound very um, unpastoral of me, if that's a word. Um, there are some mornings when I don't feel like loving God. There, there are some days when I don't feel like loving God. There's, there are even days, if I can be honest with you, where I forget to love God. And, and in our world, where, where hundreds of things distract us from our relationship with God, we must intentionally and consistently remind ourselves of him. And see, this, this is the thing that we must do. We have to be intentional about this because if I, I would imagine a lot of you guys might be in the same boat that I am sometimes. Sometimes you wake up in the morning and the, not, the first thing you think of is not God. Or maybe you go through a whole day and that's not the first thing you think of. And so really I want you to catch tonight, we must intentionally and consistently remind ourselves of God. Years ago, I went to my high school class reunion, and, and I had, um, at my reunion, I went, uh, there, there were all kinds of friends, class friends, people I knew coming up to me, uh, and Kristen was there with me, and, and this couple guys, I remember, they come up to me, and they were like, bro, she's your wife? And, and I was like, uh, yeah, like, they were amazed that someone like her would end up with someone like me. <laughs> Why is that funny? Stop laughing. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. So, and, and so, like, it was, it was kind of a, a, they kind of made a laughing, kind of funny big deal out of it. So, get this, though. I was on the phone the other day with my dad, and, and my dad and I talk on the phone really often. Uh, here's the deal. You got to catch this, students. Uh, at this age, you may feel like that your parents are your worst enemies, but the older you get, or, or sometimes, this isn't the case for everyone, but a lot of times as you get older, your parents become some of your best friends. I'm sorry to tell you that. Yeah, it, it just kind of happens. Not always, not always. And maybe not even like friends, friends, but like confidants, people you can talk to, people you can trust. So anyways, my, I was on the phone with my dad, and he, he started saying, you know what? You're really blessed, son. He said, you are really blessed. He said, you, you're blessed. You got a great family. He said, uh, you got great kids. And he said, and that, he calls her, he says, and that little Kristen, that little Kristen, like she's something else. And he was just going on and on about her. And I got to thinking, and I, and I got to, you know, thinking about the, uh, this high school reunion and thinking about what my dad said to me. And, 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 I, and it's astonishing to me. Maybe not to you guys. You're like, oh, you're just old and married, and it's weird. Um, but I got to thinking, like, it's astonishing to me that my wife chooses to be with me. And, and, yeah. and, and I'm reminded of the fullness that I'm given by my wife. And, and I want you to catch this, because we need some of those same sort of reminders about God's goodness. See, we're programmed, here's, here's us as human beings, us if, especially as teenagers in this world, we are programmed to focus on what we don't have, right? Like, I wanted a new car, or I want the new Xbox, or I want the new PlayStation, or I want this, and we're, we're, we're programmed to focus on what we don't have. 
You need to buy this. You got to have this. Be these things. Act like this. Do these things. And if you do these things, you'll be happier, prettier, more handsome. Your life will be filled with joy and you'll have more peace in your life. And this is what is fed to us constantly. And and so what happens, though, is the dissatisfaction that we find in these things transfers over into our how we think about God. And we, we forget that we already have everything that we need in him. Because we, we don't think about very often the reality of who God is. We, we quickly forget that he's worthy to be in a relationship with, to be loved, to, to know more about. We forget these things. And there's this famous author, his name's A.W. Tozer. He says this, What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. I want you to catch that. It's not the most important thing about God. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing to us. Then it says, worship, pure or base as the worshiper entertains high or low thoughts of God. For this reason, the gravest question, everyone say gravest question. He says, the gravest question before the church has always been God himself. And the most pretentious fact about any man is not what he at any given time may say or do, but what he in his deep heart conceives God to be like. I know that's, that's you did some like big words in there. You're gonna have to wrap your mind about this, around this for a moment. But really, basically, he says this is the gravest question. This is an important question. What in our hearts, in the deepest part of our hearts, do we conceive God to be like? The gravest question. It's what God himself is like. So how do we learn to know him and to be in relationship with him? We've been talking about this the past couple of weeks um, and talking about being in a relationship with God and knowing him. and, and, And so I want you to catch this. We, we've heard how he's the creator of all things, of both the galaxies and then also the complexities of a caterpillar. But what is he like? But what's he like? His characteristics, his attributes, like how can we know him? How can we fully, truly know him? How do we speak to him? And, and please, please, like don't check out yet. Don't like... Like, all right, I'm done. Like, this is, and because I'm going to challenge you guys, I want to challenge you guys to think tonight, to really to grasp what's being said tonight, and to really think about your relationship with God. So, and so I'm I'm sharing some. um, What I'm sharing is it's basic and crucial tonight. So the first thing I want you to catch is this: that God is holy. I'm like, whoa, whoa, yeah, this is really deep. This is really important. But no, these are some things. I want you to catch this. I want you to know this, that God is holy. See, we don't get to decide who God is. Because I think a lot of times we want to be like, well, I want, I want my God to be like this. Or I want him to say these things. Or I want him to do these things or act this way. We don't get the right. We don't have the opportunity to decide who God is. God has a name and he has an identity. Exodus 3.14, God said to Moses, 
I am who I am. Oh, well, that really clears things up, doesn't it? See, we don't, we don't change that, and we don't get to decide that. To say that God is holy is to say that he is set apart, is that he's distinct. He's nothing like, he's not like anything we've ever seen before or anything we've ever experienced before. And to catch this, because of his set apartness, if that's a word, because he's so set apart, there's not a way that we can ever fully understand everything about what he is and about who he is. There's been many authors. There's been many songwriters. There's been many preachers and pastors and teachers and theology majors who have tried to exhaust the whole thesaurus in order to describe God with the glory that he deserves. His perfect holiness, by definition, assures us that our words can't even contain him. No matter how we try to describe him, his goodness, his holiness, his greatness, our words can't do it justice. To me, though, I don't know about you guys, to me, though, it's a, it's a comfort. I love it. It's a comfort to worship and to have a relationship with a God that I can't even begin to exaggerate. I couldn't tell stories big enough that would be too big for God. I can't exaggerate the biggest things and it would be too big for God. I find that as a comfortable thing. I don't want to worship and put my whole hope and faith and trust in a small God that I can explain everything about. Second thing I want you to catch is this, is that God is eternal. I think most of us would agree with that statement. We're like, oh yeah, we've, we've heard that for a long time. He's eternal. Um, but have you ever really thought about what that means, that God is eternal? It, it means this. It means he's always been there. It means before there was even an earth, he was there. Before there was a universe, he was there. Even before anything, before the angels God was there. God exists outside of time. Our small minds have a hard time expressing and, and understanding outside of time. We, we want a time frame for everything. And since we, we are human beings, we are within time, we will never be able to fully actually grasp that concept. And I get it. I understand because I'm in the same boat. Maybe you're thinking, well, I, I, this is frustrating because I, I can't fully grasp the thought of this and, and it, can be, it can be frustrating. But it, it's ridiculous <clears throat> for us to think that we have the right to limit God to something that we're capable of comprehending. What gives us the right? That we say, okay, God, you're, you're limited to this. You started here and you're going to end here. See, if we could fully comprehend everything about God, it would make God pretty insignificant. In my mind, if, if my mind, which it was the size of a soda can, which, you know, it could be, um, and, and God is the size of, of an ocean, 
of all the oceans. It, it would be stupid for me to say that, that I, want, I want to get this right, that he is only the small amount of water that I can scoop into my can. God is so much bigger than our time-limited air, food, sleep, Netflix-dependent lives. Psalm 102, verse 12 and verse 27 says this, But you, O Lord, sit enthroned forever. Your renown endures through all generation, but you remain the same, and your years will never end. Are you still with me? We still here? We still catching this? Okay, because I got just a couple more things to share, and then we're going to get into our fam time, and we're going to close up. The third thing I want you to know is this. God is all-knowing. He's all-knowing. And maybe you're here, a church kid, and you're like, I've heard this. I've heard this before. I know this point. But there's some really some things that I really want to drive home to you tonight. And But thinking about God being all-knowing, isn't that kind of intimidating? Right? Like, he knows everything. He's all-knowing. Each of us, to each, every single one of us in this room, to some degree or another, we fool our families or we fool our friends in, 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 into thinking of who, about who we really are, to some degree or another. But it's impossible, though, to do that with God. You can't fool him. You can't trick him. You can't, you can't act like this and like really be this. He knows each one of us deeply and specifically. He knows exactly who we are and what we're all about. We cannot escape him even if we wanted to. So when I grow weary of of trying to be faithful to him, like I stated earlier, there's mornings where I wake up and I just don't feel like it. When I grow weary in those moments, or maybe times where I feel like I just need a break. I want, it, I want you to know this. Those moments in our lives, that doesn't come as a surprise to God. He knows. He knows this. He understands this. He catches this. For King David, God's knowledge led him to worship. Thinking about the, the vastness and the, the expanse and knowing God, it led David was like, I can't even take anymore. I just have to just stand and worship because he's so good. He's that good. He, he viewed it all as wonderful and meaningful. He wrote this in, one, in Psalm 139 that even in the darkness that he couldn't hide from it, he couldn't hide from him. Hebrews 4.13, it says this, nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Now, you may be thinking, well, this is a little weird. Like, yeah, he knows everything. Like, this is, this is a little bizarre. Um, he, he, knows us, he knows us like that. But think about this. The same God who is holy and eternal and the, the maker of billions of galaxies and stars and the, the intricate details of a caterpillar. This is the God, the same God who takes the time to know all the little details about each and every one of us. He doesn't have to know us so well, but he chooses to. 
Next thing is this. Is this four? Yeah, God is all-powerful. He's all-powerful. Colossians 1.16 tells us that everything was created for God. You still with me? He says, everything was created God. It says this, for by him, all things were created, things in heaven and things on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and what? For him. After hearing that and thinking about that, don't we at times think that God was created for me? God was created for us. Don't we get our, our thinking there twisted up sometimes? Because God created, it, it was created by him and for him. And a lot of times our thought process is God's created for me and he, he's here for me. He loves me and I love it and it's awesome. He's here to do, to do my bidding, to answer my prayers, to hear all about me, to bless me, to take care of me and my loved ones. Psalm 115, verse three, it reveals, it says this, our God is in heaven. He does whatever pleases him. Yet, we keep on questioning him. We ask him questions like, well, well, why did you make me with this body instead of that one? Or why, do, why are so many people dying of starvation? Or why are so many planets with nothing living on them? Why is my family so messed up? Why is there racism? Why, God, why didn't you make yourself more obvious? And I wish that I could explain all these answers for you. I wish I could tell you all the details and give you all the answers, but the answer to many of these questions is simply this. And this may not be a good enough answer for you, it's because he's God. He's God. But because he's God, catch this, he's got a more, more of a right to ask us why so many people are starving. To ask us why there's racism. To ask us why our families are messed up. He's got more of a right to be asking us those questions. And we want, God, we want God to explain himself to us, to his creation, when we're in no place to demand that he gives an account for us. God, you tell me why this is happening. Daniel 4.35, it says, all of the people of the earth are regarded as nothing. That's hard to take. That's hard to take in, that's hard to accept. All the peoples of the earth are regarded as nothing. He does as he pleases with the powers of heaven and the peoples of the earth. No one can hold back his hand or say to him, what have you done? Can you, talking about relationship, talking about worshiping our God, a relationship with God, can you worship a God who isn't obligated to explain his actions to you? Could it be our arrogance that makes us think that he owes us an explanation? The last thing is this, that God is fair and just. 
See, one definition of justice is this. It's a reward and or penalty deserved. I didn't put that in your notes, but it's a justice is this. A reward and or penalty deserved. So if what we truly deserve were up to us, we would end up with as many different answers as people have ideas. Well, I deserve this. I need this. I deserve this. I've been dealt a bad hand, so I deserve good things. Or I deserve, and so we start doing this. But I want you to know that it's not up to us. Mostly because none of us are good. God is the only being who is good. And the standards are really high. And the standards are set by him. Because God, because he detests sin, he has to punish those who are guilty of sin. And maybe that's um, not an appealing standard to us, like, oh, this is the God we serve. Like, if I make a mistake, then there's some consequences to that. Absolutely. He wouldn't be a good father if he didn't. We don't make our own standards. When we disagree, let's not assume it's his reasoning that needs correction. See, God never excuses sin. He's consistent with that ethic every single time. And whenever we start to question whether God really hates sin, here's what we need to think about. We got to think about the cross. We got to think about the cross where his son, Jesus, was tortured and mocked and beaten because of sin and not just any sin, because of our sin. Who are we to question all that? Jesus, I love you. God, I thank you for this moment. I thank you for this, these next moments that we're about to step into. And I, and I thank you, Lord, that for these thoughts and ideas and, and, and uh, for these maybe even questions that we're thinking or, or things that are going in our mind and in our hearts right now, Lord, I pray that in these next few moments in our fam times that you would just reveal your goodness, that you would reveal your depth, that you would reveal your love to us and that would help us deeply and fully understand who you are so we can worship you, so we can love you, so we can have a relationship with you. God, we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to take these next few moments. We're going to jump into our fam times. I'm going to wrap up <clears throat> with a, a couple more things, and then we're going to, this is how we're going to respond. So, so kind of thinking about this and, and thinking about this series, thinking about tonight, how does this relate to our series that we've been talking about, talking about relationship? And one key ingredient to any kind of relationship is devotion. It's devotion. Are you, are you devoted to that thing, to that person? It's a key ingredient. And so, um, so being devoted, being devoted to God is a discipline. And it's, it's, it's not just something that we do. It's something that we have to be disciplined to do. Like, like I don't, maybe we're at times where like, oh, I don't want to worship and I don't want to pray and, and, and I don't want to know his word. There, there's some things that we talked about in our relationship with God, but, but there's other times when I just, I just don't want to.
And that's where devotion comes in. That's where being, because like, like I, I love Kristen. But there's times when I'm like, I'm so mad. <laughs> hang, hang with me, hang with me. But there's times where I'm like, but I'm devoted to her anyways. You know what I'm saying? There's, there's things that we talk about in our relationship with God, and there's moments that we miss, and, and there's times that we miss, but we must stay to devoted anyway, in, anyways. And many of us, we never really use this word devotion. Maybe you're talking about, well, my daily devotion. But in a regular parts of our lives, we don't really use this word. We're not very, we don't use this word devotion for very many things. But there's three components to, to devotion. There's love, there's loyalty or enthusiasm for a person, an activity, or a cause. So, so I guess kind of some feedback. What are some things that you're devoted to? After seeing that response, or after seeing the de- definition of devotion, what are some things that you're, you, you love or you have loyalty to or you have enthusiasm for? Anybody? Okay, don't give me your Sunday school answers. Anybody else? Yeah. Fishing, yes. Yeah. Huh? Softball, yeah, right here. Horse riding, yes. Something that you love, something you're passionate about. Yeah. What's that? Nursing, yes. Yeah. Basketball, yes. Oh, I'm sorry. Choir, yeah. That's great. Anybody else? Real quick. Chick-fil-A? Chick-fil-A, huh? Coffee? Yeah. So here's the deal. We, we have these different loves, these different devotions, these th- different things that we're, we're passionate about, that we're consumed with. It, it, could be, um, it could be coffee. It could be football. It could be basketball. It could be choir. It could be uh, computers. It could be gaming. It could be, um, it could be sushi. It could be um, like w- music or movies or different kinds of things. Now, watch this. Many of us, we have these three components in many areas of our lives. Uh, for me, I love football. I get excited about football. I'm passionate about football. Yeah, I'm enthusiastic about football. I'm, I'm devoted to football. And you guys know, maybe, hopefully, prayerfully, maybe the NFL is going to be starting up pretty soon. Praise God. But there are guys who are not devoted to taking a shower. They're, they're not devoted to, to working at a job. But for the next few months, they're devoted to watching someone they don't know. I mean, you may be in this room and, and you've got a Mahomes jersey. He doesn't have yours. We're, we're devoted to watching people play a game. Some ladies in the room, maybe you're devoted to shopping. 
or to, to coffee or to sushi or to whatever it is that you really enjoy doing. But people are devoted. I don't know why that's on my mind. But people are devoted to all kinds of things. And, and maybe here's the deal. I don't want you to catch this. Maybe you have heard a lot of preachers, especially if you've grown up in the church. Maybe you've heard a lot of preachers go really too hard on this. And, 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 and you've heard them say things like this. You're devoted to all these kinds of things, to sports or to football or to, to, the, to whatever, to music. You're devoted to all these kinds of things. You only need to be devoted to Jesus. We've probably all heard pastors. I, I, I probably have said that. We all probably heard people say this and go really hard on it. But I want you to know this tonight, <clears throat> that that's not it. God just wants us to be devoted to him first. It's not that we can't love, be loyal to, be enthusiastic about these other things. But God is saying, I need to be in the first spot. I need to be number one. You can be passionate about basketball. You can be passionate and devoted to music. You can be passionate about choir. You can be passionate about all these things, but God, all he's saying, I just need to be first. I need to be number one. The first thought, the first spot, then, then after that, everything else can flow. And, and you know what? He says this, he says, I'll even bless it if you do. Matthew 6, 33. I want you to catch this. <clears throat> says, if you'll, just seek the kingdom of God. My interests, I will literally bring you football tickets. No joke, that's not directly in the Bible. He says, I will literally bring you opportunities for coffee. Praise God. I will literally bring someone to make you a sandwich. He says, he says, I'll do it. I'll do these things, but you have to make me a priority. Seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, and then all these other things will be given to you as well. Because I think a lot of times we want the things. God, give us the things. Lord, I, if you give me Chiefs tickets this season, man, I'll serve you forever. Lord, if you help me make the basketball team, oh, man, this is going to be great. Like, I'll love you forever, God. And I think a lot of times God's saying, you know what? You put me first, and I'll provide the things. And it may not be exactly what we want, but he'll provide. See, many of us, we go after the things instead of the king. We go after these, these small little details, these tiny parts of our lives, instead of really serving the one who's over all this stuff. We get results. We, we get the results of being with the things that are temporary, but we don't get the benefit of having the king bless everything that we do. Give God your devotion. Seek first him. Seek first his kingdom. 
Be devoted to him. That's why we talked about these kind of difficult things tonight. We want to put God in our, our little shell. We want to put God in our little box, in our little, in our little mindset, in our little time frame. But we can't do that. And God's just saying, you know what? Be devoted to me first, and I'll bless you with the things.